Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Jeff Perry about how to navigate uncertainty through play. Jeff Harry, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited uh, to be able to meet up with you and have a good conversation. It's fun always getting to talk a little bit before uh, hitting record and starting the interview. And uh, you just are such a fun guy with a great personality, doing really great work. So I'm, I'm thrilled to have an opportunity to explore uh, with you today how we can use play in the workplace uh, and particularly how we can navigate uncertainty and difficulties uh, through play. Uh, I think given, given the nature of our current um, climate with the pandemic and political angst and social unrest and, you know, just everything that workplaces are dealing with, uh, you know, I, I think we, we need to find ways to, to be positive, to have fun, and to really get passionate about what, you know, what we love about our work each and every day. So mm -hmm. I think that's what we'll be getting into today. Awesome. As we get started, I just wanted to share Jeff's uh, bio with everybody. Jeff Harry has worked with Google, Microsoft, Southwest Airlines, Adobe, the NFL, Amazon, and Facebook, helping their staff to infuse more play into the day-to-day. -day. Jeff is an international speaker who has presented at conferences such as Inbound, SXSW, and Australia's PauseFest, showing audiences how major issues in the workplace can be solved using play. Jeff was selected by Engagedly as one of the top 100 HR influencers of 2020 and his organizational development work around addressing toxicity in the workplace. His play work has been featured in the New York Times, AJ Plus, Soul Pancake, the San Francisco Chronicle, and CNN. While we as workers spend most of our time pretending to be important, serious grown-ups, it's when we let go of the facade and just play that the real magic happens. Fully embracing our own nerdy genius, whatever that is, gives us the power to make a difference and change lives. Jeff believes that we are already, uh, we have many of the answers that we seek and by simply unleashing our inner child, we can find our purpose and in turn help to create a better world. Uh, what an inspiring background and bio. You're doing great work. Uh, Jeff, before we really launch into the conversation today, anything else you would like to share by way of personal background uh, or context? Well, yeah, I'll, I'll just give my brief sh short history so that people kind of understand like who am I and where am I coming from? So uh, do you remember the movie Big with Tom Hanks back in the day? Yeah, so of course. Uh, I saw that movie and he got to play with toys for a living. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, that's a job. 
So I started writing toy companies in third grade and I just did not stop writing them until I actually got a job in the toy industry. Like, you know, I guess 15 years later, right? At like 22, 23 years old. And I don't know if you've ever gotten what you dreamed of. And when you get there, you're so disappointed by it. But like, you know, there was no play, no fun, no toys, no kids, no high fives. Just like it was not enjoyable. It felt like we were selling microwaves or socks. Like it didn't matter what we were selling. So I was all disappointed, went through my little quarter life crisis, left New York, came to the Bay Area, bumped into an organization that had only seven people teaching kids engineering with Lego. And, but they were just playing for a living. And then I helped their organization grow over the next 15 years. And we took it from seven people to 400 people. We made it the largest Lego STEM education company like in the country. But we did it all by just playing and making it up as we went along. Like we had no idea what we were doing. We had no business plan. We picked cities because they were fun. We hired people because they were fun. We failed miserably and just bounced back each and every time. But because we got so big, Silicon Valley started to pay attention to us and was like, hey, do you do team building events? And we're like, yeah, of course we do. Even though we didn't, we just said yes to everything. You know? And then like the Facebooks, the Googles, the Adobe, we started running team building events with them over the next five to seven years. And we found that even though these are like you know, multi-billion dollar organizations that claim to be innovative, disruptive, agile, and willing to take risks, the environments that I was in were not playful environments for you to do that. So I created Rediscover Your Play as a way of combining positive psychology and play to address the bigger issues that they weren't dealing with, like toxic people at work, like office politics, like dealing with your inner critic, like getting your staff into flow. Because I felt like if you're not going to do that work, you're not going to be able to let people play at work. Yeah, well, man, I love that. Um, and I think about the toy companies and what a lost opportunity, right? Such a uh, I mean, they, they have so much built in like meaning and purpose behind what they're all about, providing joy to children. <laughs> and I think about the the movie Big, you know, and when Tom Hanks goes into that that um Board in, room. In, into that boardroom, right? Yeah. And it's it's just it it's classic, and it seems exactly like what you're describing. So right. I I feel for you that that was your experience, um, but I'm so happy that you were able to to uh, find something that actually really fit with with your passions. And I will also say about the the uh, Lego STEM work that your organization does. I don't know if if it's your organization that has come into the schools where my kids go. Um, but my kids love the robotics um, STEM work with Legos that they've done. So whether it's you or someone, a competitor, I don't know, but, uh, but it's, been, it's been fantastic for them. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. I love that. Yeah. Well, well great. And, and you, you did a good job of, of really articulating, you know, briefly and succinctly what some of those benefits of play can be. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, really, there are so many unhealthy types of uh, environments and contexts that we find ourselves in in the workplace for a whole wide variety of reasons, and oftentimes just get kind of getting back to our passions, getting back to our creativity and our flow. Um, these are elements of play uh, that that can be the answer 
<laughs> to, yeah. to a lot of what ails us, right? Well, well what's so interesting is, you know, uh, Stephen Johnson says this in, in one of his books, you know, the future is where the fun is, right? So look at the organizations that are adapting the best right now. The TikToks, the Hulus, the Disney Pluses, the Netflix, you know, place like wherever anyone is showing up because they're having so much fun there, that's where the future is. I was just watching a documentary on Amazon back in like 1998 when he was starting stuff. Tech heads from all over Silicon Valley wanted to be in that office, even though no one was getting paid at the time. They were just trying to figure things out because that was the place where they were solving the most interesting issues, right? You can even look at it to the Wright brothers and how they were having fun as they were pursuing, you know, their pursuit of, of creating a flying, you know, apparatus. Meanwhile, there was a competitor that was being funded by, I think, Chrysler and General yeah, Ford yeah. that had the best scientists on it that were failing. How could these bike mechanics do better than, than this company with all their money because they were having fun. So there's something about that, right? And then to actually like, you know, I tell team leaders this all the time of, you know, especially in this virtual environment where a lot of your staff are thinking like, do I want to stay at my job? I don't know if I want to stay at my job. So how do you communicate that you care about them? Ask them, what is the work they love to do most? What's the work where they forget about time? How, what percentage of time do they do that work per day? right? Oh, is it only five to 7%? Oh, I, I like connecting with people. I like to connect with clients, but I'm only doing that, you know, for a few hours a day. How can we increase it to like eight or 9%? Because just doing that flow work has a ripple effect on all this other work that people do. And if you need like evidence that this works is look at Google with their 20% rule. They gave their staff a fifth of their time to pursue things that interest them, right? Their play, their curiosity, right? And what came out of that 20% rule? Google Meet, Gmail, a bunch of their billion dollar adventures came from allowing their staff to play more. Yeah, and, and I, I, I want to drill down into what you mean by play here in just a minute. Sure. But, you know, what I suspect is that what you don't mean necessarily is that we're sitting around, you know, we're, we're standing around playing ping pong and foosball all day. Right. No. Now, I mean, certainly it can involve some playful aspects. I remember years ago when I was new in my career, I was working um, at the corporate headquarters at LG Electronics in South Korea. So this was um, early 2000s. And LG uh, Electronics was really kind of like the Google of South Korea at the time, right? And I worked on their, they had their big, kind of like their Google campus, but it was the LG campus. Um, and they had everything. So you, you would go to work at like seven in the morning, you wouldn't get done at like, until like nine at night, but they had on-site uh, everything you could possibly think of. They fed you. Um, they took care of you. You need a haircut. Fine. You want to go to the Buddhist temple. They got one on site. You want to go to, you know, you want to go play ping pong or go play basketball or do whatever. Right? right. You just did everything on site. They made sure that they took care of every last thing that an employee could possibly need and then empower them to, you know, to do their work. And, and people did really cool stuff. So it was a really fun place to be. And, I did play ping pong, right? I did play some basketball. I did go hang out in, in the meditation room a bit, you know, some of those sorts of things because it was an opportunity to kind of um, 
to reconnect, you know, my head to, to, uh, to reset at times, you know, to, to be able to foster a little bit more creativity as I'm getting out of my, like, you know, getting out of like being in front of the screen. Right. Um, and that has its values, but you're not just talking about like literally going. No, no, I am. I'm actually not talking about the slides, the ping pong tables, you know, the team, even the team building events. Right. What I'm talking about when I define play is any joyful act where you're forgetting about time, where there, there is no purpose. There is no result. You don't have anxiety about the future. You don't have regrets about the past. You're just fully in love with the process. You know, Marcus Buckingham refers to it as your red thread work right? The work you're, or as Gay Hendricks refers to it as your zone of genius work, the, the work that is just so you, where you are like, I'm willing to do this, even if I didn't get paid to do this, you know? My business mentor, um, Stephen Worley, always says like, don't you want to get paid to be you, right? So let's figure out what is you, what is the work that you do best, and let's double down on that. In positive psychology, it's always focused on, on, uh, exploring what are people's strengths and how can we double down on that? And that's what I explore when I'm saying that type of play, because that is your actual flow work. And a lot of companies don't like talking about play, but they love talking about flow. They love getting their staff into flow, you know, and flow is where the actual difficulty of the task meets your skill level directly, right? Dr. Csikszentmihalyi says this a lot of like, when you first start a job, you have a lot of anxiety because you don't have a lot of skill. But then as you, um, get a lot of experience. After a while, the, the, the job isn't that hard, you know, but you still have a lot of skills, so you get bored. But between anxiety and boredom is that flow channel. And, the, and if you can figure out how to help your staff just be around that more and more by doing what they love most, you can get the best out of them and they will want to stay at your company. Yeah, and it's not about getting like, like screwing every last little ounce of like productivity out of your people. Right. right. There's, there's this old, sh- uh, not that old of a show, maybe 10 years ago. Um, and I can't remember the, the name of it. It was only on for a couple seasons, but it was a hilarious workplace comedy. Um, and the big evil corporation trying to squeeze every last ounce of productivity out of their people. Oh, uh, yeah. okay. and, and all the funny, you know, situations maybe uh maybe anyways all all the funniness that ensues right because of these these silly situations we're not talking like it the thing is that's so interesting to me is you don't have to manipulate your people to get them to be productive you don't have to exploit them you don't have to take advantage of them to get them to be productive in fact it's the opposite like you just simply create a dynamic environment um, where they feel empowered, where they get to do the things they're passionate about that they love to do, not all the time, but at least a good chunk at of the time. At least a good portion of it, yeah, right. Yeah, at least a good chunk of the time. And you know what? They're going to perform. They're going to achieve. They're going to innovate. They're going to help the firm be successful. And in fact, when you when you do those things, the manipulative tactics, and you exploit your people, and you try to um, you know do every last little thing you can do to squeeze uh, productivity out of them, you know, they, they become less productive. <laughs> that, they actually want to leave, right? They're not yes. machines. And I mean, let's just put this in the context of an eight hour workday, right? Like I was fascinated to figure out like what, where does the eight hour workday come from? And I did some research and found out that Robert Owen, this Welsh labor activist invented this back in 
1817, eight hours of work, eight hours of leisure, eight hours of sleep, right? No one touched it for another hundred years. And then Henry Ford implemented in the U.S., um, because all of his, a lot of his employees were dying on the assembly line, working 11 to 15 hours a day during the Great Depression. And he was just like, okay, I need to implement this eight-hour workday. Um, and I'm going to double everyone's salaries, which like pissed off the entire industry, right? But since 1926, nothing has changed about the eight-hour workday. It is exactly the same. And a new study just found out that most people Average workers can only focus for two hours and 53 minutes of a day, right? So, and, and our, our workday is, is longer. It's actually 8.8 .8 hours. So what are people doing for five and a half hours of that time? Bad meetings, really stupid meetings on social media, getting coffee, just like looking for other jobs. Like you can only get so much out of your staff anyway. So if you knew that you could only get three to five hours out of them, what would you do in order to get the most out of them while also helping them to do the work that they are meant to do? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the stupid meetings, that's one of my biggest pet peeves, the amount of time wasted in organizations and mm -hmm. pointless, unproductive meetings um, it is so aggravating and nobody likes them. Yet, nobody but, does. but we keep doing them. And it seems like even like amidst COVID, and more people working remotely. I don't know about you, but I've seen like this pr proliferation of online meetings. Like yeah. we're meeting way more than we were before yeah. because because everyone just thinks, ah, it's easy. Let's just jump on a, on a Zoom call. And all of a sudden you find yourself in like six plus hours of Zoom meetings a day. Exactly. And it's nonsense. And so- it's Nonsense. And also, why are they an hour? Just because some calendar thing set up back in like early 2000 or whatever made it an hour? Like they can be 22 minutes. They can be 12 minutes. Like what are we doing wasting people's time? I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so let's talk about some ideas and, uh, you know, possible examples and in implementable ideas on how we can introduce more play into our teams, into our workplace, even if it's remotely right now. 
Sure. So what a workshop I run with my colleague, Lauren Yee, is called Your Future is Where Your Fun Is, right? And what we do is we actually explore what people love to do as a kid, right? So she loved to play sardines, which was like reverse hide and seek. And then we actually broke down what was it that she liked about it or what does she appreciate about it now, right? And it's communication, collaboration, and connection. So looking back actually at your play history and breaking that down, you start to figure out like, oh, these are the things I like to do. All right, what is it that I do now in my work that's like that? Oh, sweet. What percentage of time do I spend doing that type of work? That's one way of doing it, right? Another thing that you could also do at work is you could ask colleagues of yours or maybe even your boss, you know, because maybe you're not aware of it. Hey, you know, what, what, is, what value do I bring to this job? What value do I bring to this organization? And what value do I bring to the team? Because a lot of times you don't know what you do. Like maybe you haven't asked that in a while. So you ask that question, what value do I bring to the team, right? And to this job. And then the second question I ask is, when have you seen me most like alive? When have you seen me most engaged in my work, right? Most excited about my work. And you get the answers from three to five different colleagues. And you could do the same thing with your life and ask your friends this. And when you get that information back, you're like, oh, that's the work that I love to do more. Oh, okay. How can I figure that out? You know, now that I've talked to my boss about that, you know, is, is, is this still the right job for me? Or, you know, or maybe I need to move on to, maybe I need to get promoted or do something else. Or maybe I can just double down because I'm really good at connecting with clients. And listen, boss, if you let me connect with clients in a better way, I can bring in actual more revenue. Another way you could do it is like a lot of companies, you know, a lot of bosses are like, well, play sucks. Like play is not needed here. Flow work is not important here. You could be like, hey, all right, we have this problem we're trying to solve. We could do it your way, you know, right? Or we, we could do it in a more play oriented, like experimental way. Let's try it both ways and see which one works out better. So you can do these experiments and just see, you know, because a lot of times you'll find that you'll be able to solve the problem easier when you're not brainstorming in, a, in an hour-long meeting in a box room or now in a virtual call and you're like, okay, we need a, bu a bunch of ideas, go. Like, that's not how you brainstorm. That's not, you're not going to get the best ideas that way. You're just going to get some boring ideas because people just want the meeting to be over. Allow people to brainstorm however they want to. Come back to the meeting and bring their best ideas. Do a yes and at the meeting where no one poops on the idea for at least 40 minutes and then finally, when you get all of them on the wall, like in design thinking, then you just circle the ones that resonate best with you. There's so many ways in which you can infuse play and bring more, you know, fun to your organization. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's so many ways that we just suck the fun out oh. of our organization and whether we realize we're doing it or not. And so, uh, I mean, you just shared, a, you know, some kind of positive and kind of the flip of the side of the coin negative examples of, of what happens when, when we're not seeing that in, in our workplace environment. And the bottom line is, I, one of the things you said a minute ago that I really liked is essentially what it comes back to is for those who are more skeptical about play or flow is what's the ROI of this? 
We can do right. little experiments to demonstrate that. And in fact, there's tons of research that already demonstrates it. Yeah. But if, they, if they're still skeptical and they still don't think, well, that doesn't apply here in our business or in our right. organization, that's fine. Do your own research. Like do your own little experiments and see what happens. And you know what? If you are committed to it for even a relatively short period of time, you're going to be able to demonstrate some really great outcomes and results. And I don't know about you, but I know for me personally, as I think about all of this, and you're, you're thinking about creativity and brainstorming, like when I, when I have my best ideas, when I have my most, my uh, greatest times of creativity, innovation, when I find myself, myself in those flow um, environments uh, and, and, and kind of um, processes, it, it's like you said, it's not when I'm sitting in the super boring meeting. Um, and a lot of times it might even be when people looking at me and observing me might think, what's he doing? Like, why is he, right. why isn't he working? Right. <laughs> and I'm like, right. I am working. I'm actually being very thoughtful right now and I'm having really great ideas. Um, so back off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about it. Some of our best ideas happen at happy hours. They happen at like random lunch. They, they happen on when we could golf or whatever, when, when you're actually doing other things. So let, I mean, the the flip side of not playing right is you're gonna be you're gonna be one of those organizations at a meeting that's talking about how hey you know what I just heard about this organization this company that is mailing DVDs to people isn't that stupid and then afterwards they're talking about you know bringing video online you know instead of having these stores like we have they're dumb right. That was Blockbuster. They're gone now. So if you're not willing to adapt and be resilient and actually play and pursue a future where fun is, you are going to be the next Blockbuster and you will not be able to thrive in this new normal environment. Yeah. And you can't keep the best people. It's just the bottom line. Uh, the, the, the types of employees that want to stay in an a boring, stodgy environment aren't the types of people that are going to help you maintain your competitive advantage and like bring value to the marketplace. I, I completely agree. And, and I tell leaders all the time, you should always be trying to organize yourself out of, a, out of a job. You should be trying to build the next leader to take your job. And the reason why I say that is if you've done such a good job at building leaders, they're going to find a, a position for you because you're building it out. And think about it. If you could build someone that for the next two years, you're going to get up so much out of them and they're super smart and then they're eventually going to leave. Is that better to have that person and have someone that's been there for five years, that's mailing it in every single day. Like, let's just like compare that and realize that, that we want to create an inclusive workplace where people can be themselves and do their best work. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, it has been a real pleasure talking with you today. The time has flown by because we're having fun, right? <laughs> um, the time has flown by. But before we close today, I did want to give you a chance uh, to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about what you're up to, and just give us the last word. Sure. Uh, so, you know, my organization, Rediscover Your Play, we work with a lot of businesses to address some of your biggest challenges in the workplace. So toxic, dealing with toxic people, how to have hard conversations 
because a lot of times we don't have practice having hard conversations, dealing with office politics, dealing with your inner critic, getting your staff in flow. So if that interests you or that interests your organization, simply go to rediscoveryourplay.com, go to the consulting page where we have everything offered there and simply click on the let's play button. We can hop on a call and figure out a way to make your staff more kick ass so they can have an impact on this world. Excellent. Well, thank you again, Jeff. And I hope my listeners will reach out, get connected, find how you and your organization might be able to help them. And for everyone listening today, uh, I hope you can continue to stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day and even play a little bit. And I hope you all have a great week. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.